Every week, we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast, where we talk with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community. Today, we have Orlando Perez, who is going to be the very first Puerto Rican winter Paralympian in Beijing. He is going to ski in Beijing. Orlando, welcome. Hello. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, you know, so this is this is awesome to get a chance to talk to you. What does this mean? I mean, I you know what? I, I've got to share this with you. My first, not my first games, my second games, we flew over to to Lillehammer, and on the way over, we watched the Jamaican bobsled movie with John Candy. So is this a little bit like, I mean, we've got the Puerto Rican skier, Jamaican bobsledder. How do you end up being a Puerto Rican ski racer? Oh, well, um, during my basketball years, I played basketball for many years, wheelchair basketball and uh, for Puerto Rico and for the VA National Veterans Wheelchair Games. Um, in 2005, I got the uh, Spirit of the Games Award and Part of that award was taking me to the DAV uh, Winter Sports Clinic in 2006. So I learned how to ski there and fell in love with it as a recreational event. I still play basketball, but every year I would look for that one week, two weeks, so I can go ski. So, so you had basketball, then you're coming back to skiing. Yeah. And and so when you're skiing, then you're thinking, you think this is this is what I wanted this is what I want to do. I mean, it's like, cause you started off recreationally. Was yeah. it just that you fell in love with it or, or how did that end up working out? Yeah. I just fell in love with it. Uh, the freedom of skiing, um, playing wheelchair basketball for many years. It was something that I could do with able bodies and my family, but there was still a, a barrier between us. Like I could not get too close to them because I was afraid I was going to hurt them with my wheelchair and they were afraid of getting hit with the wheelchair. But then skiing was something that I noticed that I could do with my friends and family and do it together and do it at a equal pace. And, you know, there was no barrier between us. So in 2015, like I said, I decided by when I retired, in tw uh, I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. So I could keep playing basketball, but eventually in 2017, I would quit basketball after Cali, Colombia, the America's Cup. And taken on to the next level and see what will happen throughout cycle from 2017 to 2022. So you're playing wheelchair basketball. And, and so now you're getting into mono skiing yes. and did you pick it up quickly? I mean, was, was, were you good? I kind of did recreationally. Like uh, I was off feathers the first day and you know, just going, just, just going down fast. It was just adrenaline rush. So for me, it was, it was going back to, to not feeling disabled. Um, even when I play wheelchair basketball, I could feel I had to be touching my wheels. I have to be rolling. But when I start skiing, the whole part of disabled, the this part kind of went away. I was able, I was able to do something equally as fast and together parallel with an able body. And that, that to me became really, really inspirational for me to keep going and see where 
where I could take it. And like you said before, I seen that Cool Runnings movie and I thought it would be kind of cool because they kept calling me uh, Cool Runnings uh, 2.0. So Cool Runnings 2.0. <laughs> yeah, so I thought, you know, um, let's see where I can take it. I don't know if you know Scott Olson. Right. Scott Olson was the very first person to tell me, uh, Team Puerto Rico, let's, you know, like, why don't you do this? Like, what's stopping you from being Team Puerto Rico? Just like the one man team to go and do it. And Scott and Eric Larafon and Hillary Sapp, they, they were on me. Those coaches were on me going like, yeah, we, we can make this happen for you if you just train and dedicate yourself. And I had the discipline from basketball of training and all I had to do is just adapt, take it to, to skiing. And But skiing, it's funny because skiing is the sport, like I mean, I've skied, I think four times this year. And the first time I went out and I've been skiing, I don't know, since I was three years old, right? So this is like a half a century of skiing that I have in. And each time that first year, that first day of the year, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And, and going up the lift, I'm, like, I, yeah, I'm a little scared. And you get off the lift and you kind of go, okay, all right, all right. I haven't fallen over yet. This seems like it's pretty good. And you got to make a couple of turns. You go, okay, seems like it's kind of coming back. But that's, it's so different than everything else you do. Like if you're, if you're playing wheelchair basketball, that's really similar just to getting around every day because you're in a wheelchair, that's the way it works. But when you're in a ski, it's suddenly like you've got this, you know, you've got this long, you're sitting in a seat, you've got this long thing underneath you, you've got a shock absorber, you've got these outriggers, you've got all these people on the hill, you've got a hill that's that's steep, you've got snow, you've got ice. I mean, it just, in some way, it just doesn't make sense. Is that intriguing? Is that intimidating? How did it work for you? Because, I mean, like, I mean, coming from Puerto Rico too, right? You, you didn't see a lot of snow until later in your life. When did you first see snow? Yeah, uh, I saw snow a little bit when I was in high school, but not quite like this. I, I went to a Carver High School in Washington State, mm -hmm. and but not quite like this. And basically all I did was snowed. I ran inside the house. I would not be outside playing at all with it. You know, I come from um, from the tropical Caribbean and, and warm-blooded people. Like, for me, uh, it got intimidating um, in a lot of spots. Like, for me, the chairlift for the first thing, like you said, that, that was, like, crazy for me. Like, I'm, like, sitting in this, this much part of my body sitting on this thing. I'm holding on to dear life. And coming out the gate, coming out the gate on my first race was probably the most intimidating but accelerating thing I ever done because I knew I was ready for it but I didn't know how my body how my mind and how my ability was actually going through gates so uh, Huntsman Cup was my first race so and here in Park, in Park City Utah and I, I just got addicting like just the people just waiting for my turn to race talking to the guys. It's just something that you don't do. Like in basketball, unless you're on the bench, but you're still paying attention to the game. While you're sitting out there waiting for your turn to race, you get this 
this relationship with the guys, this brotherhood with the other skiers that I did not feel in basketball. In basketball was everything was so concentrated in I gotta win, I gotta win. In skiing, you were just talking to the guys about what you did the day before, what you did with your family, just waiting for a turn. And it makes, it creates this brotherhood and everybody cheering for each other. No matter if you were from one program or the other program, from one country or the other country, everybody's up, 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 Perez, or up, 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 Connor, you know, and and that that really, that was completely different for me in in this sport, just seeing how everybody would support each other, even though we're trying to get better times than each other. You know, it's interesting because you said that one of the appeals was the social part that that it sort of you weren't you weren't on wheels anymore. You're on snow. You could be an equal in a lot of ways to your able bodied friends. And then you have the, the friendship with your competitors. How does this play in Puerto Rico? So you're going to be the first Paralympian. What are the people in Puerto Rico saying about you being the first Paralympian? Do they know? Do they do they care? What do they think? Yeah, uh, it was kind of unknown for probably the first two years of, of the cycle. But once we knew that the Paralympic was a possibility, um, Puerto Rico Paralympics started doing throwing little videos there in Instagram and Facebook. And we, we get getting a little bit of feedback. But this year, since we got the, the bid to go into the Paralympic Games, they have done full force getting my name out there in the news. I, I was, me and Hillary Sapp were just presented in the news in Puerto Rico and Telemundo. And the people are, are starting to like get curious about it. So I get a lot of more feedback about what are you doing skiing? How do you get skiing? And I'm just trying to get people to come from the island to come and ski with me. And they're like, afraid of the cold they're like no I don't want to go it's too cold over there but the people are taking it taking it in a good way hopefully it'll become something that for me will become to get people just to 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 drop their their guards a little bit and try something new and I think that by me doing this this feat of being the first Puerto Rican at the Paralympics, not just the, I don't wanna be the only one. I'll be the first, but I want more people to come behind me and hopefully I'm opening that door. And in the next probably three Paralympics, I'm gonna see a whole full delegation in different sports. Um, Have you seen other skiers? Are there other Puerto Rican skiers who could then fit into the pipeline? I mean, cause winter games, right? So you're talking about you're an Alpine skier. You have Nordic skiing, you have blunt, you have biathlon, then you have sled hockey, curling, snowboarding, snowboarding. Exactly. I met a couple of snowboarders, so hopefully I can get them into the line. And um, I actually invited a female friend of mine to come and ski, and she took me to the offer, and she came to the NAC. And they welcomed her in. They gave her a nice scholarship. They put her up in the lodge. And she fell in love as much as I fall in love with it. So because of COVID, she hasn't been able to come this year. But 
she really wants to dig in it, and hopefully then she'll be the first female Paralympian in the Winter Games. So we're just going to have to get get her up here a little bit more and and just get her get her going. So what does that mean for you to be part of, part of a, you know, one, to be the first, but then part of a, a new team, a new group, a new movement within Puerto Rico? Why are you doing it and what does it feel like? I'm doing it because a personal challenge that I can do this. I can do something that's never done before. And, and just for that accelerating fact and, and, and feelings that I can do anything. There's nothing that's gonna stop me. We're a small island and we can, we can put the, the Puerto Rican flag everywhere. And especially in places that have never been there before. Um, what it means to me is, it's just pride. Uh, I represented my country in wheelchair basketball for many years. And uh, at a point in my life that I thought that my athletic career was gonna end, it just begun. It, 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 it didn't just dead on stop like I thought it would. It literally just kept going higher and higher. And for me, it's just pride for my people, a small, small island like Puerto Rico and American citizens that that we can do whatever we want. Right. So it's not just you. I mean, you were saying you're saying that you can do whatever you want, but but at the same time, you're you're make you're you're creating that message for all of the people of Puerto Rico. Yes. Especially after many many things that our our, our people have gone through since Hurricane Maria. And then the the earthquakes, and now COVID. You know, it's 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 just trying to give a message that, and give them give them a message of happiness, and give them a message of thrive and and succeed. That you know, um, we can do it. We we will go through hard times, but we can get back up even stronger. Is is there really a big need for that? I mean, following Maria, following the earthquakes with COVID in Puerto Rico, is there, is there a big need? Are people, are people having a difficult time? Yeah, uh, things are getting better again now, but there, there's, there's still a lot of need of, of feeling that, um, that feeling of, of, of happiness and success. Um, Puerto Rico, we, we're really happy and festive people. We like to, to make a party out of everything. And especially, when you get a, a, a you know devastation like like we have with Maria, um, where a lot of people lost everything, you know, um, and then the earthquakes came right after, and then COVID came right after that. Um, there is a need. There is a need for us to 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 feel proud and 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 festive about something. And if I can if I can make you know, a third of the island proud of me and and look forward to seeing something they never seen before. You know, um, you know, my life has been worth it. I, I would say that it most definitely has been worth it. And do you take that into the into the starting gate with you? I do. I mean, it's it, it's kind of funny, right? And and so because part of it is that you put all this work and you're on a team 
you're on a team of one. Yeah. You are one when you go through the starting gate. But there have been so many people who have helped along the way who are effectively in that starting gate with you. Will you wear like the 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 national flag uh, as part of your suit? I wear on my helmet. I wear on my suit. So and especially now at the Paralympic level will be super awesome. One of the first things that I did in order to calm my nerves and when you know how they video all the races mm-hmm. and it was like what are you singing i would sing the national anthem on my way down on, on after after i got out the gates and just just so i can remind myself who i am where i come from and why i'm doing this and also to to calm myself and relax and not to breathe not just to like tense up or anything but um yeah, I sing the national anthem as I go down the hill. Now I've been doing it more internally in my mind. But yeah, my first few races, you could hear my me singing the national anthem going down the down the course. Are you a good singer? I am not. <laughs> I am not. You are not a good singer. Did anybody recognize it? A few of the people knew. Okay. Rico before and everything and and follow uh olympic sports they 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 knew the national anthem you know we we our our national anthem's been played a few times in the summer olympics and a couple of times in the paralympics but um and especially in 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 the bigger stages like we got great singers like mark anthony you know j-lo and then we got boxers like tito trinidad miguel Cotto, like world champions and just knowing that I could be an example for, for somebody, a kid with a disability in Puerto Rico, like, like Tito Trinidad was for me, or, or all these great athletes and boxers and basketball players that we have had and baseball players like Roberto Clemente, which is somebody that we, we in Puerto Rico are race idolizing. He's like our Babe Ruth. And if I can put the same spark of, of, of movement, not only in sports, but in life uh, for any Puerto Rican going through the struggle of being newly injured or struggling through just normal everyday life. You don't need to be injured, but every life that say, well, if that kid did it, I can do it too. It's, it's just basically, it's, it's just basically awesome for me, you know? How did the, I mean, when you're talking about singing the national anthem and you're talking about ski racing, they each have a rhythm, right? Music is so, is so rhythmic and, and, and ski racing is so rhythmic, but, but it's almost like it's not something that you think about, right? That if you, if you think about the rhythm, it's kind of like you're outside of the rhythm. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're inside of the rhythm, that's when things really start to work. Did you see some of that in terms of your singing of the national anthem and, 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 and how it worked with the rhythm of the course? Did it help you? It did. When, you, when I was singing the national anthem and then I had to keep looking two, three gates ahead, I could get in my mind of if I can get this note or this word at this gate, I'll be all right. 
And then I want to see, keep seeing the gates ahead into the end and having been able to finish the national anthem, whether I had to finish it and keep going and restart it again. Yeah, it does get a rhythm. It gets you, it gets your mind in a flow, I, I want to say. It's not like I know which word I'm going to go on each gate, but it, it just makes my mind go at ease and it makes everything kind of like if I am dancing some salsa music, you know. And so it works for each event because obviously you have slalom with really short turns, then you have GS with a little bit longer, you get to downhill where you're going mostly straight. Uh, does it work better for one event than another? The Super G and the GS. Super G and the GS? Slalom, I, I wouldn't say I'm singing the National Anthem. I'll probably like be saying words that are, they're going to have to bleep out later. Coming <laughs> down the course. I'm really not, I don't really love slalom much, but uh, you know, I have to do it, and it's fun when I finish, and it's fun afterwards. But it's it's really um, intimidating to me. Slalom is really intimidating to you. Yes, it's intimidating because you have to make such a short turn in such a short space. Is that the intimidation? Yeah, um, just the 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 speed of it, um, taking the turns, me being a high injury. I'm a T6 um, paraplegic. Uh, at first, it was super intimidating because I would come with that basketball mentality of, of turning. And it's completely opposite. Like when you're in a wheelchair, if, you, if I want to go right, I just got to throw my weight to the left and the wheels will literally turn. But in skiing, if I do that, I'm going to get on a flat edge. Right. So, just switching those at first was really hard for me. So it was kind of like, I would hit three gates and then I was like going a mile away from the course. And for me, it was super intimidating doing those quick turns, but I'm getting used to it. And um, I did pretty well in my last race in Canada. So let's see how, how it turns out in, parks, in Winter Park next, next week. Winter Park next week. So Winter Park is a, is a great, location for athletes with disabilities. I mean, especially skiers, I mean, with Hal O'Leary, with Paul DeBello, with some of those people who who were such pioneers in the sport, but, and it's a great place to, to race. Who will you get to race against there? Will you get to put yourself against some of the top people in the in the world where you get to see like the Kirkas and some of those guys, the Robbies and well, um, I hope so. Um, I know that the Worlds are or World Cups are happening the next day, so I don't know how, how many will show up to Winter Park yet. But we did in Panorama in in early no uh, late November in Canada. I got got a chance to be with Kirka and Ravi and Bamber, um, David Williams. You know some of the the top names right now in the United States and some of the Canadian uh, racers as well. And it is, it is good to be against them. It's, it's because it gets, it gets that anxiety of the race off for a reason, because there are top names, people that, that I recognize from at first seeing them in magazines and seeing them in the races to people that now we just share stories and hang out and they give me 
the the good thing about the Kirkus and and Robbies and Bambers are they they don't want to go and just be their own champion. They they want to give that feedback to the guys that are are way behind them. And to me that that's really inspirational and it's also gives me confidence when I race and they're there because they will give me those pointers and they they will tell me Orlando today's the day you finish Lalo, you know, and and it gives me that confidence when when those those big names are are backing you up. Yeah, I mean it's great to race against those guys. You're you're fighting a little bit of an uphill battle, right? How are you funding going to these races, going to World Cups, going to Beijing, all of these things? I mean, there's so much on the docket. Like those guys are barely home this year because they're racing in Europe so much. How are you funding this? Um, family, um, my own, my own money. I'm a veteran, so I get a VA compensation. So I use my my own money. Um, the NAC is really good at finding us um, grants and scholarships, and that's something really grateful for the organization to to have these people just helping us in that aspect and helping us off cost offset the cost. Um, I basically make this. This, I got a vinyl cutter and I make these shirts and these hoodies and just fundraising as crazy as much as we can. And um, something that I think that the, the stars aligned this year for me. Um, I got a couple of corporate sponsors that, that have given me money. Um, just went to, to the Ski Spectacular and um, the Harper Ski Spectacular at, with uh, Muth United as, at, as the race camp. And I was, it's basically uh, really, like I said, the stars aligned for me to do this. When at the point where me and my wife were thinking we may have to go and make loans right. so we can make this happen. Um, I was honored with the Kurt Bauer Award uh, scholarship fund. And, you know, the Kurt Bauer, he's, you know, he's a pioneer in this, this sport and with adaptive skiing and being able to, to put my name in his scholarship, it was so good. And the, it, it, it takes a big, big chunk of the money that I needed to raise. And then, a few days later, at SkiSpec, the the Hartford has what's called the Ability Equip Grant, which, yeah. and they I was granted two set of skis with a helmet, a face helmet that I much needed for for me to to ski, and that's another big chunk of money that I was thinking I had to raise money for. So, um, you know, just really grateful for these big organizations that support adaptive sports and they've seen and the need that I had in order to make this, this historic event happen and, and they've helped a lot. Wow, so, so you're getting some corporate support, you're getting some grant support, some scholarships, you're fundraising, you're selling these, these uh, sweatshirts. How can people, how can people connect with these sweatshirts? How can they get one? 
Uh, what does it say on it? Tell us what it says on it, too. It says Puerto Rico, and then it says Haciendo Historia 2022, which is Making History 2022. That's being our slogan in Puerto Rico. Um, they, they can find me on Facebook, or they can um, find me on Instagram and shoot me a, a message, and we can make it happen. So it's Orlando Perez on Instagram or on Facebook, and they can get a hold of this great looking sweatshirt, yeah. making history. And you really are, you're making history. Does that part, is that part that you, that you think about, the making the history part? Yeah, it's starting to sink in now because at first it, it was just, oh, I wanna get Puerto Rico's flag being flown at the winter games, which has never been done before. But I never saw it as a historic event into Puerto Rico Paralympics. They, and everybody else had been supporting me saying, you know, um, you, you're making history. You're gonna be the first one. And, and it's starting to sink in. And uh, at first it was a little nerve wracking knowing it, but now it's just an idea of, you know, I, I just gotta, I just gotta do and perform, not just get there to the games, but do a good, do a good job while I'm doing it. So that way um, we can get more people to, to, to do it and, and follow my steps. Uh, I had a friend, Sean, he works for uh, Move United and we were talking about all the struggles financially and, and how I'm a 40, 46 year old man putting the work that 25, 20 year olds are doing to get there and how my body it's it's starting to like feel stronger but tired and how my wallet is feeling <laughs> tired and he says he said he said to me that the pioneers of anything always have it harder but what pioneers do is they do the hard work and then figure out how to make it easier for the people that come behind. And that really stick to my mind. And I'm willing to put, you know, put blood, sweat, and tears into this and, and just so I can learn the process so I can help others that come behind me and make their life a little bit easier when they want to have these feet. So you're taking a lot of this burden. What's your relationship with the Puerto Rican Paralympic Committee? Well, they they are really they don't have much money, especially after all the all the um, natural disasters that we went through and COVID. Their their little sponsorship money that we, they would get and and everything is not there anymore. So when when I took on this, this adventure and journey, I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to pay for it if I have to, but they, they fundraise, they put some money into it. Uh, they're, they're still fundraising. They're doing a lot of uh, media work and a lot of corporate work to get more money. And our, our plane tickets have been bought. Uh, most of our uniforms being bought. So, um, they, they're doing all they can, and I, I can see that. And I, I can hear Victor and Herman Perez, which are the, the main representatives there for Paralympics, 
uh, I can see how much work they're putting in there with the little they have. And Puerto Rico Paralympics is, is really not like, if you compare Puerto Rico Paralympics and US Paralympics, it's two different. It's like a, a David and Goliath. You know, uh, we are so small in, in, in resources and we're so small in the people that are willing to put their, their goodwill into it because they, they don't get paid. There's, it's not, not a paying jobs to work for Puerto Rico Paralympics. Everything is, they have their normal jobs during the day and throughout the little breaks, they have to do everything they can to get everything situated. And I'm really grateful for everything they've been doing I say for me, but just for the island, you know, the, just to get our, our names out there. I'd imagine it goes back and forth as well. I mean, they're they're helping you, but it sounds like you're also helping them, helping put them on the map, give them give them a good story to to help raise some money. What? It's funny because because we're we're talking. I mean, obviously you're you're, you're Puerto Rican, but at the same time you're living here in Salt Lake City and and you were in the military in the US and so so sort of straddling those those two those two countries as well because it sounds like it sounds like your military upbringing was part of what shaped you is that is that fair to say it is fair to say um i was when i was growing up you know i was like every every kid just doing mischieving and uh you know, not really thinking about the future while I was growing in Puerto Rico. But uh, my grandfather is a Vietnam and Korea veteran. And uh, one of my fondest memories of my grandfather and me was his, his, his war stories. How he would tell me, whenever I thought I had it hard, he would tell me things like, well, for me to go take a shower while I was in Vietnam, we had to go to this convoy and people were shooting stuff at us and we had to do all this just to take a shower. And that would make my mind and my, and my heart stronger in a matter of, I can't feel pity for myself. So other fun memories was going to the VA hospital and, and seeing all these heroes and, the, and how proud my grandfather and my family put into me to be proud of them because so this is before before you were in the military this is before okay in the military that's as i was growing up and me being puerto rican which are we are american citizens by birth right. yeah uh, i learned to love both countries as one like i love puerto rico as much as i love the united states and the united states as much as i love puerto rico and i'm so grateful that we are part of this amazing country that is the United States. So when I turned 18, my first thing that I did was join the military. And, you know, working through the military, the, the discipline, the hard work made me who I am in a way that I'm always wanting to, to, to fight for myself and others. Not always, always putting the the program always putting the 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 mission ahead of of me and i think that's always been what's helped me succeed in in, in wheelchair basketball and now in skiing and especially in these 
in this um, journey in becoming the first Puerto Rican to represent Puerto Rico at the Winter Games is that, it's just that it's not about me, it's not about being the first, it's about being the first of many coming behind me and putting the island first, putting the, 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 the pride that what I'm doing is gonna give the island first. And, and did that really come from your grandfather? Were sort of these lessons, these stories that your grandfather told you? Yes. From really? And so this is what you're bringing forward. And, and so, so in a lot of them, because it, it keeps getting back to honor in so many ways. I mean, it's like you're, you're honoring your, your people who have had such a difficult time with natural disasters, honoring those people who've helped you, but also honoring, honoring your grandfather's memory and what he did as a soldier and what he did as a man to be able to, you know, to be able to continue to, to effectively kind of stand on his shoulders and do more for, for your people. What do you think it's going to look like as you, as you move forward? Maybe actually, you know what, let me, let me back up because, because the thing is, I wanted to get into Beijing and let's get into Beijing eventually, but what does it look like? What, what happened that, how did you end up in a wheelchair and how did, how did these lessons sort of play in that change in your life? Well, I joined the military as 18 at 19 years old. Um, I was in Fort, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and we were on a training wall and I, was doing a rappelling wall and I fell backwards. And the rock sacks back then were metal. So the impact hit, of the metal hit my spinal cord, my spine, my spinal cord created a cyst that turned into a tumor, a benign tumor. And it was freakishly growing really fast. So I would be running on my PTs and everything, I would stumble and fall down. And that's how they noticed something was wrong with me. Uh, eventually with the MRI, they found a tumor inside my spinal cord. Uh, at that point, you know, I wanted to emulate my grandfather. Him being, you know, the biggest hero I ever met in my life. I wanted to emulate his life. I wanted to go into battle. I wanted to have all these great stories for my kids and my grandkids. And, and to make my family proud because when, when I was growing up again and everybody talked about grandpa, it's like grandpa is the hero. He went to Vietnam, he went to Korea, he is the man. So I wanted to be just like him. And when I got injured, after they removed the tumor uh, and I was left a uh, paraplegic, um, I felt shorted. I felt like I was cheated a little bit. And when I was at, the, at my rehab, we had a rec therapist that came in and started bringing me these little things to do with my hands. But then eventually, that was back in 95, and the, the, the Olympics in Atlanta were going on, in Paralympics, and he would bring me all the newspaper articles of the Paralympics. And he would say, look, you used to play soccer. You used to do all this stuff, you can do it again. So that kind of like gave me validation. It gave me, it gave me something to look forward I might not have been born to be a soldier after all, but maybe if I can rethink my plans, I can feel out what I was brought up to be. So to me, God put me in a wheelchair for a reason. 
And, and I'm blessed to be in a wheelchair. And I'm blessed to be a paraplegic because it's giving me a purpose. It's giving me a purpose that probably as able body I would not never have. And I took that military mentality and that pride mentality of Puerto Rican and pride military of, of my grandpa. And, and I just have to like keep moving forward. And after I did something that made my family proud, like making the national team in basketball or, or making a game winning shot or whatever it was, it, it had to keep going hard. Like I could never go back. And I think that's what got me where I am. And so you said it gave you a purpose. What specifically is that purpose in your mind? It's to be, it's to be a, a, an example example for others and and to push and make my family and my country proud um it gave it gave me the opportunity to do the things that i admire from others and putting me in that same aspect in order give me the same opportunity to make other people proud because without those stories from my grandfather without those those boxers that I used to watch and without the military pride, I don't think I would have had a, a clue of what I would have done after injury. But seeing how everybody succeed and seeing their stories that they came from, from low places that poor places and broken homes and then all of a sudden they're up here, they're so it gave me the same thing. I'm in a wheelchair now, but I don't have to feel pity for myself. I can go, I can, I can grow and, and be somebody that my island could be proud of. And, I, I, you know, in my wildest dreams, I would have thought I was going to make it this far. And it just, like I said, I, I, after I do something, I cannot do it. I cannot come down the ladder. I just got to keep climbing it. Got to keep climbing it. And a lot of people have helped you. You mentioned before we went on that your wife has been really influential in not only because because for you, skiing was Colorado. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like she convinced you to come to Utah. How did that end up working out? Once we met in, in Colorado, we were FaceTiming each other and we talking on, on social media. And we started, you know, flirting and knowing that there might be a relationship going. She convinced me to come to Utah. She found the, the National Ability Center. And it's it's being a grace. This place, the National Ability Center, for me, it's been like going into, into an Olympic training facility. It's just being like going to like a like athletic adaptive church for me. It's just so awesome. How everybody's so welcoming. You, People are working so hard to put people's smiles on their faces or, or in, my, in our race program, like help us reach our goals. And not only make us feel that we need to put goals and help us get those goals, but get, help us reach it. And that's like I was telling you earlier, uh, I get coach Eric or Hillary calling me sometimes at nine o'clock at night going like, oh, I thought about this. That's probably why you are not taking that left foot or right. Maybe we should do this on your bucket, or maybe you should do this with your shoulders. And it does. They they don't go home and put it 
in the back burner. They, they want to help. They want to make sure that, that these, these goals are going to be met and they take it personal. And as my wife also, she's my personal trainer. She doesn't let me, the days that I'm like, oh, baby, it's going to be too cold today. I'll probably stay in bed. She's the first one to kick me off the bed and say, I'll see you when, you, when you're finished skiing, you know? And she makes sure that she's in the computer writing grants letters for me. And she's in the computer trying to figure out, well, I think that you should take more magnesium and you should take these vitamins. And I think you should like do this because of your joints or whatever. She just wanted me to, to be better. And Scott Olson, like I said before, from day one, I started skiing. He's always been, we've lived in different states, but he's always been there making sure I'm doing right. He hears that I need a strap all of a sudden on the mail or after a race, I look at my wheelchair, the strap's right there. It's just, it's been a continuous help and mentorship and, and, and backup from left to right. That, that is, it just makes me feel humbled that there's so many great people in this world that are willing to, to give everything just to help somebody else. It, I mean, it's, it's funny because you keep, you keep talking about all the people who, who help you and how much you want, you help, help other people and, and pushing it. You know, I mean, it really is, it really is a pretty amazing group that you've created around you. Are you, are you aware of that, of that group and how do people, how can other people create that kind of a group? I think it's just love each other. When you do something, do it with love. Do it with, with nothing, with not, you don't, nothing in return. Do it because you're passing it forward and, and just show the love that you got for them. Be appreciative. Don't, don't over expect something from anybody. Take every little thing that anybody gets to give you. And I think everybody kind of notice that from each other and they feed of each other in that way. They feed they feed the happiness and the thrive that each other can give. And I think you get like that, my ski fam, my ski family, it's, it's the best, you know? Um, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them all for the world. How did you, how did that come about? How did that, that sort of epiphany really of, of that it is about the love and it's about not really expecting anything in return? I think it's within within all of us. It's just, um, I think that the the everything that is great in this world always starts with love. So I think that that when you can help somebody else succeed, whether you're in the in the in the back burner in the back part of the camera, not in the front part of the camera, you can still feel as proudful for that person to succeed. Maybe because you put maybe a little bit of, of sand in the, into that big building of, of that person becoming great and just being happy for others, you know? Not always thinking about yourself, but be happy for what others got to give. And I think it just comes back tenfold. And I've been really, really blessed with the people that have been surrounding me and supporting me. Um, I guess, it's just be yourself is probably the best thing I could say about that. Does that come easily to you or is it something that you've had to work at? 
I think a lot of that changed after after injury for me, um, because there's nothing. What 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 else could I lose? I was in a wheelchair, and I just need to live and be happy. And just saw the people that were helping me, that were not ask, asking for anything back, but they wanted me to succeed. It was just contagious. It just made me feel like, well, if that person did that for me, what can I do for somebody else? So everything that I'm gonna surround myself is gonna be in a positive and great mood all the time. So I think, I think that when you do stuff like that, when you move around and you help others, knowing what somebody did for you, you go to go do for somebody else, it just becomes addicting and it becomes like a, like, like a blessing that comes back at you. Um, somebody's success, like when I can tell somebody, hey, I heard your wheelchair broke. Let's see how we can find you another wheelchair. And you make 10 phone calls and somebody has a spare wheelchair and you give it to that person. I think me giving that to that person and making that person succeed and take that barrier off make my community as uh, people with disabilities a lot better. It makes us a lot more happier. It takes a... a, a it takes a depression, it takes an anxiety away out of me that might take from somebody else. And maybe that person, once he feels somebody else is in need uh, up here, will move earth and mountains in order to make that person feel better and make them succeed as well. And I think that kind of becomes a big chain. And, and then all of a sudden you're surrounded by a big family that loves each other and look forward to see each other every, whether it's every year or every two weeks, every day. It just makes life more pleasant. Well, it sounds like your accident was, was supremely transformational in, in creating who you were. Not to say that you weren't a good person beforehand, but it heightened a lot of, a lot of your great qualities as you're moving, as you're moving into, into something new, into an unknown world, which is really a difficult thing. You're moving into an unknown world to a certain extent, going to Beijing. What can we expect in Beijing? Which events are you gonna run? What are you thinking about? Uh, right now, as a wildcard, I'm allowed to do the slalom and the, the GS. And I'm really confident on my GS and getting more confident every day on my slalom. Um, I have a chance to qualify for Super G in the next couple of races. Um, what you can expect is, is I'm gonna give my all. And I'm not just, like I said, I'm not just there to wear a jacket or to, or just to be there. I'm there to like put the name of Puerto Rico in, in, in the highest places. And as well as giving something to our adaptive world, our adaptive recreation and adaptive sport, just something new for, for people to, to know that I can do something that's never done before. And especially with our adaptive world, uh, um, I wanna pay it forward because I've been blessed. 
I've been blessed to be here. I've been blessed for my disability and I've been blessed that I had a lot of people putting the efforts for me to become a international basketball player and now an international skier. And, and just like live life and love it. That's, that's, that's what you can expect. I'm gonna give it my all. I'm not giving down and hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll come home with a medal. So watch out, Kirka. Oh, what's that? Say, watch out, Kirka. Watch out, Kirka. You're gonna, gonna go get Kirka. I like it. That's good. He could be worried. Uh, what, um, what do you have to do to qualify for the Super G? Um, I need, I mean, the 400 points, up, uh, upper 400 points. So hopefully if we can get the Super G in, in Winter Park and here in, because of lack of snow, we don't even know if we're going to be able to be race it. And here in the Huntsman, I can lower the points enough for me to, to make it into the Super G. Super G, you have to, and like, you know, uh, Super G and downhill, you have to actually qualify throughout the points. Uh, Wildcard will not allow you to do those because of the risk factor and the extreme factor of it. Right. So, so the international, the fist, the, 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 the adaptive fist points. So this is, these are the points that basically are determining who is the, who is the best person in the world in, in each category. And then they reflect how close you are to those people. And it's, it's an ongoing so that, so that you can kind of put people on an equal scale throughout, throughout races in the whole world. And you've got to get, you need to get a couple of races in order to be able to, in order to be able to qualify for the Super G. It sounds like you like Super G too. So that would be a big deal for you. Yeah, it will be. I have more Super G finishes than I have for my other events. You do. So you just, so you're hoping that you get some good snow, some good weather, some good opportunities in Winter Park and then also here in Park City. What about going to China as well? I mean, it's just, it's, it's going to a different world. It's going to a completely new venue that no one in the world really short of the Chinese has seen. What, what's that kind of prospect like going to the Paralympics? Cause you haven't gone to a Paralympics game, Paralympic games. You've gone to games but not to Paralympic Games. Yeah, I've been to the, the, the Parapan Am Games and, and America's Cup. That's as high competition I've ever been. And that's just a shy, a spot shy to the Paralympics in, in our, in the summer world. But uh, yeah, at least knowing that I'm gonna be the first, first ones to, to use that venue and state of art venues that they got over there and village and it, it's just accelerating i i just can't wait it, it's it's really a once time an opportunity and I'll, I'll i'm gonna make the best of it i i just can't wait i get giddy about it so tell me what it looks like for you the day after the paralympics end today it's gonna be pride it's just gonna be go home, get a ticket to Puerto Rico, and go celebrate with your people. Go show them what you just did and that you did it for them. And and go and enjoy ourselves. What do you think that reaction? Because there's a bit of, as you said earlier, 
the bit of the reaction is like, is like, you're crazy. Why are you going to the cold? Why, why are you, we're Puerto Rican. We're, you know, we're tropical people. Why are you going to, uh, why are you going to the cold? What do you think that their reaction will be? I really hope that they, their reaction is, is celebration. That's what I want for my people. I want to give them a reason to go and, and celebrate and, and go out to the beach. Let's make a nice little parade and have fun and, and, and just look for that reason to forget about anything that is struggling in your mind and, and let's just have a party. I think that sounds like an awesome deal. Thank you so much for doing so much for so many people. And, and in a lot of ways, you're doing so much for so many people who might not know right now what you're doing. And, and some of them might not know ever. But at the same time, one, you're doing the work for the sake of doing the work. And, and two, you're also, there'll be a lot of people who will know exactly what you did. So, so thank you so much for doing so much for so many people and, and pushing it forward, going, going to the cold too. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us, too. And it's been a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you and get to know you better. And good luck as you move forward. All right. Thank you very much. And keep keep striving, guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Orlando. Really appreciate it. Thank you to all of you for listening. You can always go back to the One Revolution page on Facebook and you can watch this interview in its entirety. We will also turn this into a traditional podcast so you can see it on YouTube, you can see it on Spotify, you can see it on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, it's the greatest gift that you can give us. It was just Christmas just recently, right? So the greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends to follow us, to like us, and we will keep coming back with more great stuff. So thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Orlando, see you soon. Take care.